Well, does God have a sense of humor? He allowed me to be here with you guys today, and this is, this is not my forte, but I, God has given me a word, and I just, I'm a sharer, I'm not a preacher, and I just want to share what God has been showing me the past several months, and it's a new thing, and it's something that I really feel it's relevant for the church to get a hold of, and, and that's being in Christ. It says over 120 times in the, in the, the Gospels and in the epistles to, that we're to be in Christ. You know, it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen? Well, anyway, let, let me open up in prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me here, Lord God. And I thank you for the word that you placed within me. But, Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take control now of this meeting here, Lord God, and use this vessel of clay for your glory, Lord God. May, you be, may the Lord be high and lifted up, and we just thank you for that. And Lord, if any of us have any cares or concerns right now, I pray, Lord, that we would just put them at the foot of the cross, Lord God, so we could tune in and, and hear what you would have to say through this brother speaking, Lord God. And I just thank you for that. Once again, I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for this church. I thank you for our pastors, Lord God, and I pray that you would be with them and just give them a, just a, a restful week uh, away with their families, Father God. And I thank you that they'll come back energized, if that is possible, with those two guys. But, Lord, that you would bring them back and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit and with a fresh word, Lord God. And we look forward to for them coming back. And we just thank you for that, for in Jesus' name. Listen, I teach, uh, uh, I don't teach, I share an adult Bible class every, every Sunday at 10 o'clock over at the Fellowship Hall. And if you want to hear the rest of this message, because you're certainly not going to hear it tonight, the whole thing, you'll, hear, you'll get a good piece of it. But it's an ongoing message, and it's, it, like I said, it's about being in Christ. And I want to be in Christ. I want to be found in Christ. You remember they asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus says, wait a minute. He says, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Amen? Do you think he was just joshing with those disciples? No, he, he actually meant it. He says, you're not, see, you're not seeing uh, Jesus anymore. Peter said basically the same thing, and Paul said basically the same thing. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen? We know the scripture, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Praise God. In, Roman, in uh, John uh, 8, 31 and 32... You are familiar with that scripture. It says, uh, and you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But let me read the whole thing to you. In verse 31 it says, so Jesus was saying to, to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth then, and the truth will set you free. So you got to know God's word. It's, it's imperative that we study God's word, not to memorize it necessarily, but to wash your mind, to get the mind of Christ. That's the only way you're going to get the mind of Christ. You've got to wash yourself with the water of the word. Amen? And there's another scripture in Hosea 40, uh, 4, 6, and I'm sure you all know that one. And it says, uh, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Amen? But let me read that whole th uh, verse to you. That's part of it. I know you know, but it says here, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because... You have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being my priests. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. 
you know, the, the, the importance of reading God's word in, in, it, in its entirety to, to know what, what our Lord is trying to tell us. Amen? Now, the name of the message is How to Live the Victorious Life. Who here would like to live a victorious life? Amen? We're called to live a victorious life, you know? But if you were to say to somebody, can you live a sinless life? Is it possible to live a sinless life? And they say, well, hey, listen, Harry. Long as I'm in this flesh, I'm going to sin. And that would probably be most of the answers in this room. But I got news for you. If you're in Christ, if you get out of this, and you're found to be in Christ, being led by the Spirit of God, being obedient to his leading, it is possible to live a holy and righteous life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Does not God's word say we can do all things? <laughs> you, you, you can't argue Jesus' words, right? We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Amen? I want you to turn to Acts 19.1 and 2. Acts 19.1 and 2. And it happened that while Opalus was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus, and he found some disciples there. If he found some disciples there, who was he referring to? Followers, right, of Jesus Christ. They were disciples. They were, a disciple means you're a student. Like when you went to school, you were a disciple. You were learning there. And it says here, and he said to them, Paul said to these disciples, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's a strange question, isn't it? And they said to him, oh, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They were disciples, they were followers of Jesus Christ, but yet they didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They weren't being led by the Spirit of God. Paul saw something in these guys that made him question them and say, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, you would think, well, if you're a Christian, you, surely you must have received the Holy Spirit. But what do you think Paul was seeing in those people to make him ask that question? He was seeing a lot of carnality in those people, was he not? He was seeing things that he shouldn't have been seeing. They were, they were murmuring, probably. They were gossiping. They were saying, hey, I'm better than that guy, and I'm, I'm better than this guy. There was jealousy amongst them. They weren't walking holy and righteous life. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 3. 1 That's on page 1,784. If you don't have my Bible, lots of luck. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. And I, brethren, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not able, you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly 
And are you not walking like mere men? God can only deal with us as to where we are in life. You know, when, when we were born into this world, we were, were little babes, amen? And our parents nurtured us and they taught us and they did everything they could do. And then we came of age where we had to go to school, right? Now you'd say, well, I got a little smart little Johnny here. Man, he's really smart. I'm going I'm to try to get him to go to high school instead of go to grammar school. I don't think he has to go through that. And if I were to put him, if they were to put him into high school and he were to take the test, as smart as he was, you think he would pass? Possibly, and if he did, he, he would have missed out on a whole lot of schooling in the process. Amen? In other words, God does not expect us to do any more than, than we've come of age. When you got saved, you were an infant, you were a brand new baby in Christ. And the Father does not expect a whole lot from us as you don't expect a whole lot from an infant baby, amen? you got to feed it, you, you got to nurture it, you got to change its diaper, you got to have patience with it. But when it comes of age, then that's a different story, all right? So, so many times, you ever hear of a, a respectable sin? Do you know what a respectable sin would be? We classify sins, when I was in the Catholic, anybody here come from a Catholic background? Well, in the Catholic background, sins were, were designated in two aspects. You, they were either the mortal sins or they were venial sins. Amen? A mortal sin was, oh, that was, <laughs> forget about it. You murdered somebody or you raped somebody or you stole somebody. You, you, you did something really bad. But a venial sin was, eh, it was just a little thing, you know. So I snapped that her or I, I told her to take a hike or... You know, I kicked the dog when I shouldn't have kicked the dog. You know, little things like that. But you know what? I'm calling them respectable sins. And we as the church say, oh, well, that's, you know, come on. We're all human. You know, we can fudge. We can tell a little white lie every now and then. But who here deals with a temper every now and then? When something happens, yeah, well, we can all raise our hands. In, in certain situations, we, we, we fall short. How about pride? You ever fall into a little bit of pride? Okay, how about jealousy? How about murmuring? How about backbiting? How about worrying? Anybody worry about anything? What does God's word say about worry? You shouldn't worry, amen? Don't be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication, make your request made known. So if you're worrying, what have you done, basically? Paul is looking at you and saying... Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Are you being led by the Holy Spirit to murmur, to complain, to be jealous? Or are you acting as a mere Christian, as a mere carnal Christian? You remember Archie Bunker? He used to to have a son-in-law. You know what a son-in-law was? Meathead. Meathead. You got it right. Well, you know, it says in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, We're to trust in the Lord with all our heart. And lean not on your own meathead understanding. This thing is carnal. That's why the Word of God says we need to have the mind of Christ. Okay? The mind of Christ is not this thing up here. That's the Holy Spirit who now dwells within us. And we should be tapping into the Holy Spirit and asking him what we should be doing. You remember years ago they used to have a bracelet that used to say, WWJD. Do you remember that bracelet? What would Jesus do? Well, you know what? If you don't know the Bible and you ask yourself that question, you would be guessing, wouldn't you? 
because you really wouldn't know. You don't know what Jesus would do if you, if you hadn't read about him, if you don't know him. A better question would have been, Jesus, what would you have me do? In other words, go to the Lord and say, Lord, what, what do you want me to do in this situation? I really don't know. And if we were to stop and ask ourselves and get wisdom from God, he would gladly give it to us, amen? And then we would walk as Christ. So when we were born, that little baby, we came in as a little baby. And you know, as a little baby, as an infant, we needed a savior. Do you realize that? We were all lost. We needed to be born again. Even though you were just born, here you are, you're born a sinner. But Lord, that's not fair. I didn't do anything. Here I come out of my mother's womb. I'm, I'm a good kid, you know. But as far as the Lord was concerned, when my earthly father, who was Lucifer, I was of my father, Lucifer, amen, I was the devil, before I got saved, I was born with a sin nature. Did you ever hear of a sin nature before? Well, when it's your nature, it means you're going to do things without even thinking about it. It's just the way you're wired. Some people are wired, they have short tempers, right? Some people are wired, and, and that has to be dealt with, and it can be dealt with. But we were born with a sin nature. Every single one of us has a sin nature. Now, when you got saved, you still are going to have to deal with that sin nature. You now have the mind of Christ. You invited and accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior. Did you not? Did you accept Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior? Well, he came into your heart. Did you get anything in the mail the next day saying, I heard that prayer and uh, your name is written in Lance's book and here's proof that you can show to somebody? You know, I can show you my driver's license, but I can't show you anything on me to prove that I'm a Christian. The only thing that would prove that I'm a Christian is the way I act and what you see and what comes out of my mouth. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Amen. You'll know them by their fruits. Amen. So I was born with a sin nature. Now, when I got saved, I got what they call a divine nature. So I'm now both human and divine. Amen? I'm still dealing with that old, old carnal man, that old sin nature, and I, and I have the mind of Christ. Now, it's almost like there's a fight going on. With anybody, can anybody relate to this, that there's a fight going on? As a matter of fact, turn to uh, Romans. We'll, we'll get to Romans. Romans 6. Romans 7, rather, Okay. The book of Romans. The Apostle Paul deals with this in, in Romans 7. This, this is the meat of what I'm trying to get at. Lord, help me out on this thing here. Romans uh, 7.14. The title of this message in, in my Bible, it says, The Conflict of the Two Natures. He realizes there's two natures that, that's going on in us. And it says here, For we know... This is verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I, by am, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very things that I hate. Can anybody relate to that? Have you, you ever say, I'm not going to do this anymore, and the next thing you know, the very things you said you're not going to do is the very things that you do. That's why it's probably the, the world's worst thing for you to take a New Year's resolution. When you say, I'm not going to do that anymore, you just set yourself up for a fall. You did a dumb thing. Because the more you say you're not going to do something, the more you're thinking about it. 
and the more you want to, you're going to want to do it. Why? Because that nature, that re- we got a rebellious nature within us. And that nature is going to want to do the very things that the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to do. And there's a conflict going on there. That's why it says you have to crucify the flesh. Amen? It says here in, in uh, 15, For what I am doing I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very things that I hate. But if I do the very things that I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, Paul says, it's no longer I who am doing it, but sin which dwells within me. That sin nature that dwells within Paul. For I know, he says, that nothing good dwells in me. Paul was saying, Paul was an apostle. Paul was walking with the Lord at this point, anywhere from 15 to 20 years. Okay? He wasn't a baby Christian here now. But he's telling you what's going on in his life. He says, for I know that nothing good, he's saying, nothing good dwells within me. That is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the, but the doing of the good is not. For the, good that I, for the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. For if I am doing the very things that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin, that sin nature, which dwells within me. Paul was wrestling with that sin nature. He says, I find then a principle, or another way of saying principle is law. I find then that there's a law that evil is present in me. Whoa, Paul, you're saved. You're an apostle. You're an evangelist. You're sharing the gospel. The one who wants to do good, for I joyfully, in verse 22, he says, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man, my spirit man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Now listen to verse 24. Paul says, O wretched man that I am. Well, he don't sound too victorious here, does he? He's beating himself up. He's saying, man, the very things that I don't want to do, look at this. That's the very things I'm doing. But things are going to get better because from here, Paul's going to say, now, follow me as I follow Christ Jesus. He, 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 he finally gets it, but it takes him. He had to get schooled in the word of God. And that was a revelation that Paul got when he said, oh, wretched man that I am. God gave him a rhema word. He gave him a revelation and he understood it wasn't him that was doing evil. It was that evil nature that was within him. And that's what had to go. And the Lord put the light on Paul. He, like I said, he was walking with the Lord like 20 years at that point where he finally got it. I know I don't have it yet. I want what Paul's talking about. I want to be able to say one day, if you've seen me, You've seen Christ. And only Christ could do that. There's nothing that I can do in of myself. Even Jesus said at one point in his, his walk, he said, in of myself, I can do nada. I can do nothing. Even Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Before Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, he was a great kid. He was a great brother. He was a great friend. He was a great neighbor. 
but nothing miraculous was being done. He lived a good, healthy life. But when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, his whole life changed. Amen. Jesus, by the way, Jesus never had a sin nature. It was never, it was never Jesus' nature to sin. He was always about the Father's business because he was always in tune with the Father. But when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's when his journey began. That's when signs and wonders occurred in his life. Blind eyes were opened. Dead were raised. So he says, O wretched man that I am, who, 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 he says, will set me free? He knew it had to be somebody that was going to do it. He knew he couldn't do it. He says, so who's going to do it? I can't do it. I've been trying. I've been trying to walk this walk out. I can't do it. Anybody here frustrated trying to live a holy and righteous life? And, and, you, and you want to beat up on yourself? Sometimes you even question yourself, am I really saved? What the heck is the matter with me? You know, sometimes I have thoughts. If, if my thoughts were to be put on that screen, I'd run out of here so fast. You know, and, and, and you say to yourself, what the heck is the matter with me but you know what you have no control what's going on up here you have to take every thought what captive to who the obedience of Christ Christ can take control of it you can't do it so when you have those thoughts then think on things that are lovely right it says think on things that are lovely and pure and of a good report So Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. But on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin. Chapter 8 says, verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. I was reading a book and it talked about that word condemnation. And that word condemnation is, uh, it means that you're disabled. Do you know when a person is disabled, has a, he has a disabling uh, uh, handicap? Or how about the word handicap? It also means handicap. In other words, we were handicapped in the sense we couldn't do good. You could not do good if you wanted to do good. You know, when, when God gave mankind the Ten Commandments, he knew perfectly well that no man was able to fulfill those laws. So he said, why? Because they were handicapped. They couldn't. They had an evil nature, a rebellious nature that was in them when they tried to fulfill the you know, Who got saved and got a, 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 a card on the Ten Commandments and you were memorizing the Ten Commandments, right? And what do they all say, the, the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not. Well, when you tell a rebellious person, you shalt not, He's going to say, oh, yeah, watch me. Right? And that's the way we are. You tell a little kid, don't, don't do that. And he's going to say, I'm going to do it anyway. So that when, we were, we, when we were condemned, we, we, were, we were handicapped and we were disabled. We basically had two strikes going against us when, when we came into this world. We couldn't win. And God knew that we could not, we could not get victory. There was only one person that was able to fulfill that law, and that was Jesus. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So why in the world did God give mankind the Ten Commandments when he knew perfectly well they couldn't keep it? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. 
The reason he gave mankind the Ten Commandments was to show them that they were sinners and they needed a Savior. Paul says, if I hadn't known about coveting, I would have, would have never known that it was sin. So God gave us the Ten Commandments knowing full well we couldn't fulfill it. But with Jesus, can, did Jesus fulfill the Ten Commandments? Are we now in Christ? Can we now do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us? Amen. So there is now, there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? How does one get into Christ Jesus? One gets into Christ Jesus by accepting him into your life. You were immersed with Jesus Christ. The two became one. You know, the word baptism, when you, bat, when you want to uh, dye something like a, a cloth of red, you would put the dye in, in, the, uh, in the water and then you would put the clothing in it and you would soak it and the next thing you know it would come out, it would be red, right? It, you, that was now in that. It became part of it and, and so it is with us. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So now we're under a new law and that law is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the key. That's the key. You got to know you are now in a, under a law and that law is Christ Jesus is now in you. Amen? For what the law could not do, weak as it was, through the flesh, God did since sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, we got to walk according to the Holy Spirit. It says those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. We've got to go from babes to adult sons. And those that are led by the Spirit are sons. Those that are led by the flesh are carnal. They're babes in Christ that we were talking about before. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Holy Spirit, the things of the Spirit... For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Holy Spirit is life and peace. And because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do that. We were at enmity to God when we were in the world. The last thing we wanted to do was fulfill the law. We wanted to do whatever we wanted to do, whatever felt right, whatever we felt like doing. But now that we're saved, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. He's saying it right here. If you're in the flesh, you're not going to please God. Who wants to please God? Well, you've got to do it through the Holy Spirit, through the leading of the Holy Spirit. I can't overemphasize that enough. However, you, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Amen, he sure does. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that's the Holy Spirit, he will, he, who raised Christ, Jesus, from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, through his spirit who dwells in you. 
So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to, to live according to the flesh, for you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting the deed, the death, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all, I, sh- I quoted this one before, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So we've been called now to be the sons of God. We now have the Holy Spirit within us. We don't have to listen to the dictates of the evil one. Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees one day, he said, you guys are of your father, the devil. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to these guys? These were holy men. But he says, you're not following my father. You're doing whatever you want to do, whatever seems right, whatever brings you glory. God is interested in only one thing, and that is that we're to lift him up and we're to manifest him to a hurting world. Amen? I can't save anybody, but the Christ in me can save anybody. His anointing can save anybody. And that's what God has been sharing with me, that I have to be in Christ. The Apostle Paul in... in, um, in Galatians 2.20. Turn to Galatians 2.20. This, this one little verse in the Bible is the Apostle Paul's testimony. In one verse. It breaks down to this one verse. Now if I can find it, I'll be in good shape. Mm. Why am I not finding it? Okay, it's time for the new Bible, honey. Well, I can quote it. I can't find it. Galatians 2, general. Somebody took it. Oh, here we go. Who took it? Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been. What does Paul say? I have been. That's past tense. That I will be. But I have been. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, this is like 20 years later. He wasn't crucified. Christ was crucified 20 years prior to this. And Paul has the audacity to say, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul, you're lying. No, he wasn't lying. By faith, he knew. By revelation, he knew he died with Christ. And that goes for each and every one of us in this room. We died with Christ at Calvary. So he says here, Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. And then he goes on to say, and it is no longer I who live. But Christ Jesus now lives in me. Oh, come on, just think about this verse. Memorize this verse, man, and just study this verse. It'll bless you, I promise you. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Paul's testimony. You were not seeing Paul anymore. You were dealing with the Christ who was now in him. And, and anything that he said and did, he was doing it under the unction of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus. 
That's what Jesus did, nothing of his own. Jesus, nev- Jesus never had his own agenda. Jesus didn't wake up one day and say, you know, guys, let's go fishing today. Or what do you say we go to the bowling now and shoot a couple of games, you know, or shoot some pool or do No. He was always seeking and consulting the Holy Spirit as to what he should do. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, I always do those things that are pleasing to the Father. Boy, what a statement that is, huh? Can you say that? I know I can't say that. But you know what? We shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We can walk a holy and righteous life. But if you're trying to do it in the flesh, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You know, Jesus never reacted. I share this all the time whenever I share the word, because I always love this statement. Jesus never reacted to a situation. He responded. In other words, he didn't go, what'd you say? That's a reaction. What are you, what, what are you talking about, man? You know, something, that's a reaction. But a response is, how am I going to deal with this joker? You know, what, what should I say to this person? Jesus always responded. And I once asked that in, in a class, and the, and the guy said, well, wait a minute. I'll tell you one time Jesus reacted. And that was when he went into his father's house. You remember it says he turned over the tables. That sounds like a reaction, doesn't it? But wait a minute now. If you read the story, it says, and he fashioned a whip. He knew exactly what he was doing. He didn't lose it. He didn't lose it. That was what you would call a righteous anger. Amen? That was free. I should take up a collection for that one. Okay. Turn to uh, Philippians 2, 12. 2, 12 and 13. I love this verse here. It says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He says, I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Everybody knows that phrase. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? But listen to the next verse, verse 13. It says, This is why you should work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says, For it is God who is at work in you, both the will and to work for his good pleasure. God lives in us. You know, what does 1 Corinthians 6, uh, uh, 19 say? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Turn to that one. I got you turning a lot today, guys. First Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know, the Apostle Paul says, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, who you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. God is, 120 times you're going to read in the New Testament how God and Christ is in you, that we can do all things. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Everything is through Christ Jesus. That's where you're going to get your victory from. And let me close with this here. I have three, three statements that I want to make. And the first one is, 
we have to understand that the sin nature is a law. And that law is in us. And it'll always be in us. That's why we have to crucify the flesh. You have to reckon yourself as having died with Christ. That's number one. You have to recognize the fact. So don't think you're such a goody good tutu, a good, a goody what? Two shoes. Okay, I haven't used that one in a long time. Okay. That these things can't happen to you. But you have that sin nature in you. The second one is, no matter how hard you try, with your willpower, you will not overcome the law of sin and death which dwells in you, no matter how hard you try. Paul said that in Romans 7. The very things that I don't want to, he didn't want to sin. He didn't want to do evil. But the very things that he was trying to do, he was falling short on and he was doing it. Amen? And the final and last statement is, it will take Christ who was in you to defeat Satan. Remember this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I got two little, three little stories that I want to share with you. My wife says, you know, when you tell the story, people remember that. I said, okay. Joyce Myers, everybody know who Joyce Myers is? She tells a story when she was first getting into ministry. She used to have a women's Bible study in the home. And she'd be in short shorts, and she'd have a little blouse on, you know, and they'd be smoking cigarettes, and they'd, and they'd be sharing the, the gospel, you know, and having a good old time. And one day, her husband came home, and she says, Dave, his name is Dave, he says, Dave, you and I, I got to quit smoking. And he goes, whoa. If God's telling you to quit smoking, you had better quit smoking. God has not told me to quit smoking. And I, listen to what I'm going to say, and I enjoy smoking cigarettes. I enjoy it. But if God should give me the desire, that's another story. She said, from the next day on, Dave never smoked another cigarette again. How did he stop, Dave? God gave him the desire. He took no credit for him stopping. He can't say, got to use willpower. He said, no, I'm not quitting. It's when you say, I'm going to stop, that's when you're going to continue. When you say, Lord, I can't do this. I enjoy drugs. I enjoy pornography. I enjoy this. I enjoy uh, whatever it is that a person might enjoy. But Lord, I know it displeases you. So I'm asking you to give me the desire. Only you could do that. Take that from me. Another story. On the 700 Club, just recently I saw this. It was a, a guy who's about 55 years old. A motorcycle dude. Man, he had all kinds of pierced earrings and tattoos and ponytail, and just a rough-looking character. And he says, you know, from the age, he was given his testimony, he said, from the age of 11 to the age that I'm now, 55, there was not one day, not one, that would go by that I didn't get high on something. Not one day. And a friend of his said, listen, if you ever want to get set free, you got to come to know the Lord and then ask him, and he'll take it from you. Yeah, right. So he's riding one day in the countryside with his motorcycle, and he, all of a sudden he pulls off to the side, he lays the bike down, and he falls to the ground, and he prostrates himself, and he starts to weep. This is the guy telling the story, the rough dude. And he says, it, all of a sudden it dawned on him, he hadn't had anything for the past 
21 days. And he didn't even know it. And how did that happen? God took it from him. See, we can do all things through Christ Jesus. Now, the next one is my wife. She comes up with a story. We were quitting smoking. That was, that was years ago when we were little children, right, honey? <laughs> but we had quit together. We had the hardest time quitting. Oh, my gosh, did we cry and cry out to the Lord. Lord, help us. You know, we can't do it. You know, when New Year's came. We made a New Year's resolution. I remember making that. New, and, and that very night, we smoked. That very night. I can remember putting my hand on the Bible, and I swore to God I would never smoke another cigarette. And I bought three packs of cigarettes the next day. Because I bought a pack, smoked one, and threw it away. Bought another pack, smoked one, and threw it away. I was so disgusted. The very things that I didn't want to do was the very thing I was doing. Ray was doing a a Tupperware party, wasn't it? She was coming home from a Tupperware party. And I guess at those parties, they all have like a cigarette break, and all the girls were smoking and and having a good time for themselves. And and she came home. Man, she had like a coat on it. It, it. It reeked. With nicotine from when you're in a room, smoke-filled room, it, it just jumps on you, right? So she's in the car and she's smelling it and she's getting an urge to smoke. So she goes to the 7-Eleven. She says, you know what, I'm going to... She parks outside the 7-Eleven and she's looking in the store. And she can't remember why she stopped. And she says, we don't need milk or anything, you know. <laughs> she, she just took off God sovereignly just took the thought from her mind. So you see, that's the way God wants it. Only, only God. You see, the good news is we don't have to try to do anything. Allow God to do that. Amen. 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 God is good, my brother.